This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Fun show for you guys today. We really enjoyed some of the conversations we had on Radio Row that we were planning to turn into YouTube stuff for our YouTube channel, but we like them so much that we wanted to package a few of them together as a podcast. So you guys are going to hear three conversations with me and some NFL players from Radio Row in Las Vegas. The first of which is me and Will Anderson from the Texans chatting about a whole bunch of stuff. Second, we have me and two guys from the Lions, Aiden Hutchinson and Brian Branch, talking about their season, Dan Campbell, bunch of other things. Last, me and two Kyles from the Baltimore Ravens, Kyle Van Noy and Kyle Hamilton, chatting about the great year they had in Baltimore, what makes that defense go. Thoroughly enjoyed all of those discussions. Hope you guys enjoy them as well. Let's get to it. Live from Radio Row here in Las Vegas, we are here with Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year as of last night, Houston Texans Will Anderson. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it for, you know, the time taking for me to be here. Absolutely. We're excited to have you. I wanted to ask you something like pretty serious right off the bat. And why I wanted to ask you this because at every level of football that you've played, when yep. you're coming out of Alabama, everyone just talked about what you brought to a locker room yep. and the football character aspect to it. And I think that's a big reason the Texans were so comfortable moving up for you in the way that they did because they're trying to rebuild something and they knew that you could be a part of that. Yeah. In, over the course of your life, how have you kind of built your value system? When you think about how you want to approach the world, who did you take that from? Yeah, it's been a couple of people, but the first person that I've always, you know, I have to give credit to is God first, but really my grandmother who passed away, my, my dad's mom. Um, she basically raised me almost and just getting to see how she treated people on a daily basis with the love, like she'll meet you and she swear she's been knowing you for about 20 years. <laughs> and that's the impact that I've always tried to have on people like, bro, just keep a smile on your face. And then just as far as like my mom and my dad raising me, you know, just treat others how you want to be treated. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. Um, and they always say like the real world, like they're not going to care about you like how we care about you. You know what I'm saying? So just go out and give love. Just be you, be authentic. And then just having coaches in high school, Coach Fed, Coach Rogers, Coach Saban and Adamico, like, Coach Banks, my rec ball coach, like all those coaches have played a big part in, you know, how my mentality is, who I am today. I wanted to ask you, uh, so you had this year you go in, you're in Houston. And we talk about culture yep. and changing a culture. Yep. What does that mean to you? Like, what is a football team's culture for people that maybe don't really understand what it, yep. all that it encompasses? Yeah, when people think about culture, like they just think about on the field. Yeah. And it's so much bigger than on the field. Because you don't get what you want on the field unless you do what you have to do off the field. And for me, my biggest thing is changing the culture is everybody is on an equal playing field. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter who you are in the building, you're just as important as the quarterback. You're just as important as the defensive end. You're just as important as the head coach, the GM, like, no matter who you are. Because we all play vital roles in our jobs to help this organization as a whole be better. And it's just treating everybody with respect. That's how you build relationships. That's how you build the culture. And that's how you get... Everybody wanted to be a part of something special. When everybody's getting treated the same, everybody's feeling in love. And from a player standpoint, I, I, I said something like this in an interview before. Like a lot of people get mixed up with like thinking that players want approval, and players don't want approval. They just want to be shown the same love. You know what I'm saying? I think that's one of the key ways. If you want a player to play great, you show him the same love. You show everybody else because he get that type of love. He sees that oh, this person is messing with me. Like they want me here. They love me then that's how you get the best out of a player. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. you show that you care. A lot of people, 
don't come from backgrounds that have a lot of love, that have a lot of care. So when they make it here, that's what they just want to feel that. You know what I'm saying? And I think for me, that's what I try to give, like that love, that care feel, because, bro, we're all in this, bro. We're all trying to do something special. And it's just a beautiful thing to see when it happens. If you look at the way that the coaches, the, the trend and kind of how young coaches have gotten around the yeah. league, and I think how emotionally attached and involved yeah. coaches have gotten around the league, it's a lot of younger guys. But yeah. you played for Nick Saban. And yeah. how does Nick Saban balance being somebody who tries to set a standard, keeps mm -hmm. guys to that standard, but still feels like he's there for you in the ways that you need? Yeah, I think he does a great job of that. You know what I'm saying? He's just so – he's locked in all the time. You know what I'm saying? So you have no choice but to respect it. And I've always said that – Bama's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. It takes a certain type of understanding and mentality to go through, you know, what you have to go through from there. And Coach Saban is a different type of coach. He's going to love you. He's going to care for you. But at the end of the day, he's trying to prepare you for when you do take that next step in life, whether you're playing football or not. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's where, you know, his perspective and, you know, the way he cared about us, that's where that came from. Like, look, like, y'all are kind of like my sons. Like, I'm going to love y'all, but I'm going to love y'all hard enough to know, like, when you get out in the real world, when you get out of this place, that is going to be, like, something that you've been through, that you know how to handle and stuff like that. So I think he did a really good job of helping us with that. There was that moment, I think, after you guys lost in the college football playoff where yep. you and Bryce were sitting up there and he mm -hmm. made you guys stay yep. and just wanted to communicate to everyone what you guys had meant to the program, who you were. What did that mean when he did that for you in that moment? Yeah, man, it meant a lot. Like, and that's like, that's the same, like, a lot of people don't see that side of Coach yeah. Saban, but we get to see that on a daily basis, and it just shows what type of person he is, the humility that he has, the the humbleness to even stop us like that, that he has, he's just been an awesome man in both of our lives, you know what I'm saying, like, he has so much respect for us, you know what I'm saying, and um, I can't say enough great things about Coach Saban, man, he's been such a big factor in my life and in Bryce's life, and he's just been great to have around. What's your favorite Saban story? My favorite Saban story... <laughs> Is when I graduated from my number to my name. So, like, when you first get there, he's like, what's up, 31? Good play, 31. 31, what the, are you doing? And then you start doing good. You start earning the respect. What's up, Will? How you doing? And I swear, the first day I heard him call my name, I almost freaked out. Do you remember when it happened? Yes. It was my freshman year. I think we had just played my first game. I did fairly good for a freshman playing in Alabama. And I'm walking, and I'm smiling as always. He said, what's up, Will? And I'm like, Coach Will? I said, you talking to me? But that was just a funny moment for me I was there. You've had a career where you've had success very early in all yeah. the places you've arrived. You mentioned you were, you were a dominant force at Alabama as a rookie, or as a freshman. You come in as a rookie, and you have a defensive rookie of the year type season. Has there been a moment over the last three, four, five years that has been a struggle that's kind of re made you reevaluate with the path you needed to take, how you needed to work on yourself. Yeah. There, has there been anything like that? Yeah, my last year at Bama. But I will say it came from it came for from more of a standpoint of listening to other people's expectations on mm -hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? And that's what kind of got me in that mode. I had a phenomenal season that year. I had double-digit sacks, double-digit tackles for loss. But yet, since it wasn't the numbers I had before, I was listening to everybody else's expectation. So it was making me think like, bro, you're not doing enough. I had won another double-digit sack season that year. And that's the only time in my whole career where I felt like, what the world. And now that I'm looking back, looking back at it and being more mature and having a higher faith for God and knowing who he is and knowing that that's the only approval I need in this world, I'm looking back at it like, bro, like, God's had you all along, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you've been good. Like, you've been excelling. You've been doing, being humble, doing everything that you need to do to keep prospering in life. So just that one moment was my, my junior year at Alabama was like one of the like 
deepest, darkest like times yeah. I was there. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, man, life has been great. When it's when it's going well, yeah. what gets you up in the morning? Like, like what drives you to be the best version of yourself each day? The person behind me can take my spot at any time. That's what keeps me going. I have something to prove every day. I have to show you why I'm Will Anderson every day. That's what keeps me going. Like, there's not a day that goes by where I feel like just because I'm starting, I'm safe. That's what keeps me on edge all the time. That this guy behind me can take my spot at any it, time. It, at a certain point, though, it gets hard to keep telling yourself that story when you no, keep seeing the way I that you know, are. but it's just that's just the mentality. Yeah. Like, never being comfortable, always being on edge. Like, anything can happen. You know what I'm saying? And Have you always that, been wired that way? Always. Since, like, my friends used to hate me in, in <laughs> high school, I promise you, because I used to be so hard on them. Because I'm like, bro, I see so much in y'all. Y'all have so much potential. And I'm like, well, y'all going to hate me when this year is over because I'm going to get everything out y'all. This is our senior year, too. Y'all going to do something for me. I was the same way. My high school teammates <laughs> absolutely hated me for very similar reasons. And I look back on it now. I was like, is that how I should have handled it? But that's at a certain point, like, you got to look yourself in the mirror at the mm-hmm. end of the day. And did I do enough yep. for the team, for myself? And I think that trying to instill that in other people yep. when you're in a position of leadership, that's exactly what you have to do. D'Amico, I think we've had such a exposure to what's how special of a coach he is and what he's able to do and set the vision of a building when did you know that he was just a little bit different i knew from the first meeting i had what was that first meeting uh my top 30 visit okay my top 30 visit i went to go see them and i was their first visit as well and i was like okay something i'm gonna go here like i'm their first visit (laughs) (laughs) but um i was just like we were sitting in his office and we were talking and he had leaned back like he leaned back in his chair he wasn't uptight about nothing he wasn't, like, serious about anything. Like, it was normal. It was like I have been knowing him forever. And I was like, this is the type of vibe that I need from a coach at this next level. He was completely chill, like, completely chill. And that's when I knew. I was like, oh, yeah, he's about business, but he's, like, chill about it. Like, he's not uptight. He's not one of those, like, uptight coaches, like, mm-hmm. walking around like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. He was cool. And that's when I knew. I said, oh, yeah, this is a perfect fit. What did you guys talk about? Did you talk about your fit in the defense? What the, you wanted the building to feel like? What was the kind of the meat of that discussion? It was so crazy because, like, we were talking about life. Yeah. Like, we talked a little bit about the defense. He was like, bro, I have no concern about you in this defense. <laughs> like, literally at all. He said, I know you can set an edge. I know you can rush, like, all that. But we were just talking about life. Like, we, we talked about football for, like, three minutes. And then everything else was just, like, family, faith, God, um, like, just how – this process has been going everything like that and when you're able to conversate like that for a long period of time guy you just met then you as you just met that's how you know those are the best relationships like most of my visits that I went on were just football 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 like it was like no really like getting to really know you for who you were and everything like that they're just like what can you do for my program and it really wasn't like that with D'Amico like he was just like what's up like how you been doing like I would I just want to know the person will yeah. I want to get to know that person because I just heard so many great things about you. I just want to get to know you for myself. So I think that was the most like special thing about our relationship. We talk about setting culture and about and how a building how that happens in a building. Yeah. How does he do it? Like yeah. how does he play a role in what that culture feels like in Houston? I think what separates him from a lot of like new head coaches is he set a firm foundation, like a firm structured foundation of things that we were going to be. We were going to be mean. We were going to be disruptive. We were going to swarm. And that word swarm flooded throughout the whole building. Mm-hmm. Like. If all things else failed, this was the one thing that we were going to do. We were going to swarm. And I think 
being in a new program, being in a new place, you have to have something of a foundation, a type of structure to fall back on when things don't go right. And I think a lot of times, like, when things wasn't going right for us in the game or anything like that, we just went back to, oh, we just going to swarm. That's it. That's all we got to do. Everybody get to the ball. You can control your effort. That part. Yeah. And that was it, man. And I think that's why it was just so fun playing because that's all he's built on. Is there a moment against C.J. Stroud in practice this year that you just found particularly infuriating? Well, we do compete all the time. And C.J. talks a lot of crap, bro. Like, <laughs> people don't know. C.J. talks a lot of crap. Uh, compete period every Thursday is probably a moment every, every day, <laughs> every week. Is there, like, a throw or, like, something that happened where just you're just like, I can't believe that just happened? Just unbelievable throws. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm like, can you save it to Sunday? <laughs> Don't do it against us. <laughs> the last thing I'll ask you, you – for every other pass rusher, I would imagine this is an easy answer. Yeah. It's – if you could have a sack, you would have a sack. I want – if you could have a sack or, like, an unblocked TFL, mm -hmm. which would you rather have? Which feels better for you in the moment? Sacks. It's for I, because for you, I think it's closer than it would be for most traditional pass <laughs> rushers. But I'm not surprised that you still landed on that. Sacks, bro. Sacks. It did feel different in the league. I'm not gonna lie. Like when you've got your first one. Yeah, like yeah. getting sacked in the league. You're getting a sack in the NFL, bro. Like that's hard. I don't think people understand how hard that it is. It is incredibly hard. Like, if you get one <laughs> a game for the rest, if you get one a game for mm -hmm. your career, you're going to the Hall of Fame as a first ballot Hall bro, of Famer. That's it. Yeah. All right, you're here with Jif, yep. which I love. We're a Jif family. <laughs> I, but I want to ask you, how does Jif play into the Super Bowl? Man, so i ask you a question. At what party that you go to for the Super Bowl, what's probably the number one thing that's going to be there? Wings. Absolutely. Yeah. And what else comes with wings? Celery, fries. But a billion wings get eaten almost every year around the world. And the only thing that gets thrown away is the celery. So we're partnering up with Jif to save the celery. <laughs> And we got some peanut butter to go with it, man. So it's going to be the, you know, the new best rookie edition that we got. And this is just the beginning, man. I'm super excited to be partnering with them, man, and my love for peanut butter. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. You guys have a monopoly on rookie editions at this point <laughs> down in Houston. So this is just another one. Well, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully we just got some time. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks. We are here with Lions, Defenders, Brian Branch, and Nate Hutchinson. Guys, I sincerely appreciate you spending the time to do this. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us, us, man. Timing-wise, I feel like I'd be doing a bad job if I didn't ask you about the Niners because it's so fresh. No doubt. So when you guys were building your game plan defensively, where did it start? Like, What were the areas of focus that really popped up during that weekend? Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, it all started with Christian. You know, yeah. uh, if you yeah, stop the run, make them a little one-dimensional because – um, that's not really, it's not really who they are. You know, they want to get a good balance, get some play action in there. Um, and we did that too. We did that really well in the first half. Mm -hmm. You know, we stopped the run. We, even in the second half, it wasn't as good, but, um, we just, we just let the momentum get away from us. But I thought the game plan, man, we were, it was on point, dude. It was on point. We just, we just got to finish it. It was interesting to watch different teams handle them differently because Baltimore played with some lighter boxes and they played with a lot in nickel a lot, but the Packers went base like, because you have to pick your poison a little bit. No doubt. So mm -hmm. the fact that you guys decided, all right, as long as we take away their efficiency on early downs, we trust if we can get them into some defined passing situations, we can bring some heat. We can do some interesting stuff. And like you said, in the first half, we did a good job of that. Again, it's third down and, you know, coming in, bringing in nickel, uh, it's just with San Fran, you gotta you gotta do it over and over and over yep. again. Yeah, yeah, and they're so unreal on first down too. I think they yeah. they average like seven yards of play on first down, and it's yeah. like that's what sets them up so good. They with had their the success. fewest third downs in the league. That's, I, they, uh, they had, I think that they had like maybe like thirty or thirty five third and mediums the entire season. 
because of how efficient they were on it's first nuts. down. So trying nuts. to take away yeah. those five, six yard runs on first down, I think is actually a really good plan. So it makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you guys something that I've been thinking about a lot this year. I think that Dan Campbell is going to be an archetype that a lot of teams start chasing at head coach. Right. These kind of culture setters, these CEO types that set the building. Maybe they're not play callers, but they have a certain attitude that they create. When you think about what culture means in an NFL setting, what does that mean to you? Um, just knowing, like, the standard. Uh, everybody expects, you know, we have a winning mindset, and I think that's what Dan, Coach Campbell brought to uh, the Lions. And, you know, he shoot, pushes us every day, and, you know, he expects us to be on our P's and Q's, uh, just like he expects himself to be on his P's and Q's. And I feel like, shoot, he – he loves each and every one of us. Uh, you know, he'll go to war for us, and we'll go to war for him. What would you say, Ed, just in terms of how he sets that culture day to day? I think it's it's so important just when you got a lot of, you know, in college it's easy. Everyone's so moldable and mm-hmm. so young, a bunch of 18-year-olds. Um, but, in, in, you know, when you get to the league, you got some older guys, people have families, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. So you got to find someone who can unite um, unite all the different age groups, all the different people on our team, and he does that through the grit and through yeah. facing adversity like like he invites adversity. And I think that's that's what makes him so special. And that's what that's what I love most about him is when, you know, when stuff's going down, when we have a bad game, this and that, everyone's talking crap about us. Um, he's just like, bring it on, dude. Let's go. And I think we as players, we soak that in and we love mm-hmm. it. You guys defensively in the first half of the season we're running a lot more zone coverage. It was a lot just passive is the wrong word, but it was dialed down compared to what For it was sure. like in 2022. For sure. I think you guys were like top five in the league in split safety coverages and the percentage you were using them, top bottom six in blitz rate. In the second half of the season, that shifted. Yep. You guys were playing a lot more man. You're bringing a lot more heat. Did they communicate to you guys why they thought that shift was necessary? Did you have a sense of why it happened? Yeah, um, I, w- I was talking to AG and I feel like he was saying he got away from himself a little bit. He got away from himself, and he uh, his identity is blitzing. His identity aggressive. is applying that pressure, being aggressive. And he feels like um, because of th- some things, maybe it was personnel or anything that was going on, he he believed that, you know. Our guys are better. Yeah, like yeah. our guys are better. Let's just, let's just go challenge them. Let's just go, go, go challenge them. So, yeah. I wanted to ask you something. Why the mouth guard and the helmet? Like I know, you say you can't breathe. I've said you, you, you can't breathe with it in, so you don't keep it in. So why keep it in the helmet then? Because I've had it like dangling right here, and then like I'll go to make a tackle, and I get up, and it's on the floor. But you don't put it in. So why keep it in the helmet? Just don't have it at you all. You know why. It's a swag thing, man. It's a you just, Bama. Just admit it's a look thing. Just admit it. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's – it's your Bama green. Oh no! I guess it's also a good luck thing for me. Uh, That's okay. Well. That is a good answer. That makes total <laughs> sense. But in the last thing I want to ask you: you played for Jim Harbaugh. You know, it's you guys had unbelievable success. It's been a while since he was an NFL coach. You know, yeah. we haven't seen him in that setting in a really long time. What do you think about the guy he is right now, and how that translates to resetting, reshaping an NFL building specifically? Yeah, I think even at my time in Michigan, he's changed a lot. He's changed a lot to accommodate the players, you know, even with scheduling, practices, you know, when things were a little rough at the beginning, <laughs> I think he dialed things down a little bit. So I feel like in in time, he's definitely he definitely accommodates and he molds a little bit. But also, 
he comes in with with what he believes too. So you 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 know the Chargers that, that camp they're going to be rolling in in in, uh, in August, and um, I think it'll be good for him though. I think it'll be really good for him, and it's going to be a a real different feel from their last head coach. But um, I think they're all going to love him. They're going to buy in. What's interesting though, because I think that he has a reputation as like kind of a hard ass. Yeah. And you guys talk about Dan and how much the fact that he expresses how he feels about you right. and you have right. that feeling in the building. That's a positive. So how do you think Jim's his current mindset and the way that he is day to day aligns with an NFL that's kind of trending in a direction where there's more emotional intelligence among coaches? No doubt. No doubt. I, I feel like, um, I mean, overall, what makes Jim so special is his passion for the game. You know, he's, he's, he loves football so much and he wants everyone to just reach their potential. And I think whatever's going on off the field or how the NFL is trending, that will always be number one for him. And the players will know that, too. You guys are here with Bounty. We are a big Bounty household. I'm a Bounty believer. Tell us about what Bounty is doing for the Super Bowl this year. Well, uh, as, as, as we all know, you can't have football without wings and you can't have wings without Bounty. Bounty. <laughs> you know, I, I grow up knowing that slogan. And uh, Bounty's the quicker picker upper. And I, I wouldn't know what I would do with them on the Super Bowl Sunday with all these wings I'm about to, I'm about to smash. It's going it's to clean up a lot of mess. <laughs> we got a lot of just random bounty rolls around my house for that exact reason. 100%. There's one in the basement because when we're down there watching stuff, we need it. So I totally understand. It is a Super Bowl necessity. Hell yeah. Gentlemen, thank you very much for the time. Sincerely appreciate it. Good luck this week. Thank Thanks, you. man. Appreciate you. I am thrilled to be here with the two Kyles from yes, the Baltimore yes, Ravens. Kyle Van Noy, Kyle Hamilton. Guys, very much appreciate the time. Thanks for being here. Thank yeah. you for having us. Appreciate yep. it. I wanted to start, I feel like I'd be remiss to not ask you about the Niners because you played them again. You played against them this year and the, and the Chiefs, I guess, but San Francisco specifically. I'm curious, Kyle, as you guys were building the game plan for the Niners, what was Which the- Kyle? The, the, let's go this way. Okay. okay. When you were building the game plan for the Niners, where did that start? Like, what was the main area of focus? Because they feel like a very pick-your-poison sort of team. You know, I think it started with the plan of what San Francisco's done to other teams. They've kind of bullied them in the trenches mm -hmm. uh, offensively and defensively. So it started there just playing with a different type of violence, a violence they're not used to. And then on top of that, just giving Brock Purdy different pictures. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's in his second year. So being able to trick him um, is not easy, but it's a little bit um, – when you're looking at it, there's spots where you can take advantage. And we were able to look at the tape and come up with a game plan as far as the players executing it and the coaches giving us a great game plan to go execute. And then it happened to be a turnover fest, and we just capitalized. I know everyone's like, oh, the turnovers were lucky, but they were good plays by totally. Kyle getting you know, chop blocked and then getting his ass up and catching the ball. I was rewatching that one yesterday. That is just a very chaotic play overall, right, yeah, every single yeah. part of it. I'm wondering when you guys are building sort of the pressure packages that you use, how much of it is checks in the moment, Kyle, based on a certain motion, a certain formation? If you get to put a percentage on, what sort of those, what percentage of those pressures are called versus what percentage you check into? What would you say? Uh, I'd probably say, and you tell me if you agree on this or not, I'd probably say it's like, 80 20 called okay um you know some calls are based on distribution three by one two by two whatever it may be but for the most part shout out to mike mack who's got the seahawks job <laughs> it's it's all in his head and uh it's probably more like 90 10 honestly but 
he's always going to put us in the right position to make plays, and that's why our defense looked so good this year because he was at the head of it. Your role specifically, I mean, you came into this season, I think the idea was to, for you to play more safety, right, bat mm-hmm. base compared to what you did last year. Injuries happen, Geno starts playing well, you start playing more in the slot. How does your role get built every single week? Like, what is the timeline of it? Yeah, I think it's – um. Well, it gets introduced to me on Tuesdays. I think I, I know I know Mike and the whole D staff is up there on Monday concocting whatever game plan we have that week. But um, it does feel like sometimes when we're in the defensive meeting room, like we're having like a one-on-one meeting sometimes because they're just like, all right, Kyle, you do this and then do that, do that, do that. But no, I love it. It's awesome. And if it's, if it's going to help our team, our defense um, get stops, and I'm, I'm all for it, whatever position I may be playing. What's the hardest part of juggling all of it, though? Um, I think it's just clicking into a different mindset. You know, it's 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 like going from left tackle to right tackle. You know, you got a mm-hmm. you got a whole different plate of responsibilities. You it's, nickel may not be as vocal, but once I go back to safety, I got to click back into being very vocal and talking to corners, backers, everybody. Um, but I think it's it's made me a better player. It's made me a smarter player, and, and I get a better understanding of all levels of the defense. You've seen a ton of defensive systems in the league. You've been around for a while. You played for a lot of different coaches. You got there three weeks into the year in Baltimore, and it seemed pretty seamless getting yeah. integrated into what they were doing. What's different about the flexibility of that system that you guys ran with Mike this year? I think it was just multiple and then the pressure package that he's created. Um, it's the best in the NFL. Um, I can say that easily. It was definitely the best. I mean, the time and detailed I mean, we spend a whole meeting on it. So just that detail of getting it all ironed out before you go execute it is I haven't seen anything like it. So it's definitely the best in the business right now. And you'll see more and more teams probably copy it. It's five or six teams now are going to run your guys' system next year. It's it's pretty crazy. The system du jour. The flexibility, do you feel like it's language, the way it's taught? Like, why do you think you guys can be like chameleon-like but between games in a way that maybe other defenses don't have a sense of how to do that? Yeah, I, I credit it a lot to our coaches. Okay. Um, you know, it's crazy how some- I'm going to stop. You're crediting them, but you have players like this that's guy. Yeah, so, right. like, yeah. I, I don't want yeah. that to go yeah. unnoticed either. <laughs> like, But keep going. Sorry. No, nah, yeah. I mean, he's right. Both sides play a big role in it. Um, you got to have the guys that can execute it. You also gotta have, to, you gotta have to have the guys that can draw up the plays to be executed. So, but, you know, it's the way our defense is set up. It allows everybody to make plays. And, you know, I don't. I don't think I heard one time this year about anybody complaining about the lack of plays they have in a game or something like that. But, you know, just the duality of our defense as a whole, it, it's, it's kind of built through camp and then reps and reps and reps. Cause it's not easy at all. Um, we'll be, like you said, kind of chameleons. One week we'll play our quarters coverage this way, and next week we'll change it completely. So, you know, Wednesday practice might be a little rough. There might be some f bombs <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday practice. But Thursday comes around, gets a little better. Friday getting good. And then Saturday we're locked in. I had a Chiefs coach tell me that the almost sack that you had in the AFC Championship game is the first time Mahomes got fooled by a pressure and didn't identify it correctly in two months. Yeah, that, that was – I mean, that was oh, also really? I just, I didn't hear that. game plan, though. Like, it's something we talked about. Yeah. And it's actually pretty easy. There's keys, but we won't go over those. I'm wondering what – did you have a favorite blitz or pressure look this year that they allowed you to kind of be unleashed on? Yeah, I think I – I really honed in on my disguises because I feel like when I'm at nickel, I'm kind of the read because I would blitz so much off the edge, mm-hmm. and, you know, get TFLs or sacks and stuff like that. And, you know, after Indianapolis game, I was talking to guys that we played after that. They were like, we would check. As soon as we see nickel pressure when you're at nickel, we would check away from it. So um, that was good for me to hear because I disguise it when I'm looking at the TV copies of whatever teams that were playing. I'm seeing their cadences and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, 
picking up quarterback tendencies and when they're about to um, fake snap the ball or dummy count or whatever it may be, holding my shell. And I think that's what messed up Mahomes. You know, he gave us his dummy, and then um, I held my water and then uh, came on the snap. And shout out to other guys, obviously, the way that Mike sets up the pressures. You know, we're showing on this side, so you're checking over here, and then we have some come from another way, or we may bring it from over there. It's just it's a. Uh, it sounds like chaos, like as I'm talking about it right now. It but feels like chaos, but it's controlled. Like it, it's hard exactly. for them, but easy for you guys. Yeah, and I think definitely. that's what really sets it apart. Definitely. But after you, he was saying giving credit to the coaches, but you just heard yeah. his explanation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like he's 22 already doing this. Like right. I, I'm, I've been so. I'll tell everybody he's the like the most impressive second year guy I've probably played with in in my career. But what separates him is he is the guy in the back that handles all those things you're able to do crazy things because you have a guy like him who can play in the slot play deep play half play quarters take out a receiver take out a tight end it's very and blitz like yeah. you have another guy like marlo i wish he was more more healthy this year because that could have been another dynamic they could have put in with him who's in the slot who's blitzing different things like that but having players like him having players like Roquan and PQ able to do multiple different things. I mean, that just is, is the reason why the playbook can get wider and wider and wider. You have very, very smart players on the field, very athletic, very talented. The defense is an expression of the talent. It is yes. an expression of the personnel. It's a, for I sure. think that's what makes it beautiful. You guys are here with Bounty. Let me know what Bounty is doing for the Super Bowl this year and kind of what they want us to know. I mean, you know, you, you, you got the slogan, right? Slogan down is you you don't have football without wings right yep and then without wings you can't have bounty without that you know what i mean <laughs> fact no he's right you know bounty's kind of keeping track of the amount of wings eaten by each city and there's kind of a competition going up until the super bowl and uh we just had some disappointing numbers seeing where yep. baltimore was out on that list oh man um, gotta get those up right behind a, a city in western uh, pennsylvania that yeah. we don't really like uh, come on man but, you know, we're, we're, there's still time left, and uh, I feel like we're going to make a push. Sounds great, guys. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, Thanks thank for having you. me here. Appreciate, appreciate it. Thank you. All right, guys, that's all we got. Thank you so much to Will Anderson. Thank you to Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Van Noy, Aiden Hutchinson, Brian Branch. Had a phenomenal time down there on Radio Row in Las Vegas during Super Bowl week. Loved these conversations. Hope you guys enjoyed them as well. Just a quick reminder, Football GM will be coming your way tomorrow on Saturday. And we will be back, me and Nate, chatting about our biggest off-season questions on Monday before I head out for a few days. We pick things back up when we get to the Combine. For now, that's all we got. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.